The main podcast is a free media source with a mission to provide better transparency in the market to connoisseurs, medical patients, recreational users, store owners, growers, extractors, and everybody in between. This is made possible through generous support from sponsors who cover all corners of the great state of Maine. We'd like to give a special thank you to Rugged Roots, the Heady Yeti, Tastefully Baked, Cure Cannabis, The Shack 420, Humble Family Farms, Canamelts, Salty Cultivation, The North Fire, Highbrow, Team Green, Seaworks and Company, Bade Space, Zero Gravity Extracts, Wisely Cannabis, and Stoner & Co. For more information on how you can support those who support us, please visit our website, www.mainpodcast.com, to click our Sponsors tab. I think that when you get so used to seeing certain brands in just one location, yeah, and that doesn't get enough movement, or or yeah, like you know, my, my brother, well, how, my dad, how do you want to expand out their palettes or or what they're looking that's, for? That's exactly my point, and and you know, uh, like that MCon is a land race Malawi cross with LA Confidential. It's a little dry, so I'm gonna get you guys another one. That's oh yes, I, you will. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a super sativa, like very creative. Like it, it kind of geeks me out sometimes, and you know, not a lot of people grow stuff like that. So give that a squeeze. One or, thing I'm or, doing or, is trying to kind of broaden the palates of the consumers, and no-till does that. Like we have flavor crystals, which I had a like a half pound that I no a quarter pound that I gave. Trying to heat up the, the, the nail. It'll take me some time. Do you have flavor crystals? Flavor crystals. Wow. Shout out to my boy, Caleb. He's out in Telluride right now. He gave me a pack of flavor crystals to, to sprout for him. Killed the fuck out of the entire pack. Sorry, but at least someone got to grow it, Caleb. So if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. I fucked Super up, nice. but someone else did it, and they're nice. What's uh, Talk about it. Talk so about what you flavor crystals is, uh, it's like grape, apricot, gelato. That's and unreal. Yeah. Uh, I forget the cross, but it is just the most pungent, like citrusy, flavorful strain I've ever grown. It's it's, it's uh, like the in the pheno hunt. Symbiotics or no? Uh, no, it's compound genetics. Compound genetics. Yeah. Um, and is this mic good? So today, uh, another episode of the main podcast, your usual, myself, Evan, Headstash 207, and Carrie, Kaylan 70 howdy, howdy. and we're joined by Living Matters Cannabis, Travis. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, thanks so man. much. Um, but yeah, Compound Genetics, uh, in the pheno hunt, uh, when we ran it, it was like right when we flipped it the flower, I just like could smell the plant, like not on a stem rub, you could just smell it. And I knew it was something special, but you know, she's uh, uh, not difficult to grow. She's just short and fat and she um, is really leafy. So I have to like cut her three weeks prior to any of the other clones big, to put them in the room. expansive leaves. Yeah, yeah. they kind of like smother the Wanna canopy. cover everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we got a little bit to fire and four and people seem to love it. But it's like you put it in a blunt joint. You uh, uh, you could taste that from a mile away. It is is fantastic. It's one of my favorite. And it um, it's just knocks me out. Like not a lot of uh, cannabis kind of puts me out like you know like a peanut butter breath I used to have a cut of that yeah you yeah uh, I was in your garden for a yeah, while yeah rest in peace I lost Aww. her it's like the one that got away <laughs> it was one of my favorite cuts it's pretty much what you know got a little bit of attention locally people were loving it and I, I was just growing in this like little like room in my basement of my apartment I, my landlord was super cool about it <laughs> but like the the tenants was that all, up here in Liston? yeah, yeah. Uh, right uh, right near uh uh, the corner of uh, East Ave and um, uh, Russell Street, and uh, my the oh, yeah. tenants on the third floor would like hit me up, and they're like, "Hey man, is your is your grow door open? Did you leave it open or something?" Like, I'm like, "No nah, man, but shit, I gotta like figure out some filters." And it was kind of like a half-ass grow room, you know. Yep. I was testing out the notes in the out. apartment building. <laughs> but yeah, I miss I miss peanut butter breath for sure. But that that strain would kind of put me to bed. Like my eyes would get really really <coughs> murked. Um, it was uh, <clears throat> definitely a heavy hitter. 
And now, uh, you know, glue is pretty great for me, but flavor crystals, if I smoke that, I'm sleeping in 20 minutes, even midday. And I'm a kind of a fast paced guy. I, if I smoke flavor crystals during the day and I just kind of like, just if done. I ghost you in, in the chat or anything, that, that's probably why I'm probably taking the damn a nap flavor from crystal, son of a bitch. It's super fire. I love it. Yep. Do you end up growing a lot of um, more of the heavier leaning? Uh, you like gas in your garden, don't you? Well, personally, I like uh, sativas and I like fruits. Um, I like, uh, you know, I grow gas because that's what everyone likes. Uh, the MCON is surprisingly uh, kind of gassy, uh, a little bit of a grape terp on it. It's a, you know, it's a funny story. Uh, mm, I, yeah, uh, about, that's what I'm breaking up right now. I yeah. literally, uh, for that strain, I, I was growing with a buddy of mine and, you know, I, I was, I was living in upstate New York. Uh, I was working for, uh, I took like a suit job and I was making great money and I hated, hated my life, you know, taking customers out drinking every night. It was terrible. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, sounds, it, sounds fucking awful. It sounds, it sounds it awesome, but when you do it, it for years like, and yeah. years, it just weighs on you and you think you're having fun, but you're not. And it's just, I saw the dead end and a buddy of mine who I grew up with around here, uh, we, uh, went to college together and that's actually the first time we grew cannabis. We we're in a fraternity at the university of Maine and, uh, <laughs> I was a pretty vocal person in my fraternity and we made some rules that my room was a smoking room and another one at the end of the uh, hallway. And uh, we were like, dude, fuck it. Let's, oh, sorry. Can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can. Oh, uh, absolutely. We were like, yo, we should grow weed. You just weed. beat us to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were like, we should grow weed in this house. And it was hilarious. Like some CFO. Balls. So you did. Yeah. We, I learned about curing bud and germinating seeds at the same time. And grew like this 12 inch plant that like was just like in week four and the whole house stunk and everyone was asking questions. It was, it was in my room. We found this like loose board in the closet and I kind of knocked on it and it opened up and it was this old, like clearly a grow. It was like a three foot space but whoever built that room is all white walls and I'm like yeah, they knew do it. they so knew enough to get it going we threw some lights on and realized that it lit up the staircase so we had to like insulate <laughs> it and uh we we at week four it was smelling so bad we cut it down and we didn't smoke any of it so it kind of sucked <laughs> but um been saying lately that uh you this know stunning a lot of close friends i appreciate it uh are saying i'm underpriced and um it's uh it's kind of like going with you know i'm trying to follow the market i'm trying to uh keep our retail sales point uh, appropriate for customers. Um, you know, it's, it's about well, the that's patience. Good then. That's topple because that hasn't come into play very often either. Y for, yeah. Uh, it's uh, There's been kind of a disregard and to each their own. We've said that before, but it's nice to hear that echoed. I like to more. stay like right below uh, premium. So, you know, some of them, some of my stores, they definitely sell us, you know, at top shelf. Uh, some of them are like $5 right below. And I try to give everyone a fair wholesale price to make sure that every type of customer can kind of try it because, you know, you're in no-till for a reason. You're in no-till because you want to make it affordable. So if I was gouging people, uh, I would feel like a crook, you know? Well, so, and also too, I feel like if you're doing no-till at also, regardless of, I mean, yeah, the affordability comes into factor, but also it's because you probably believe that you can produce a better product and help people and, yeah. and make a healthier, cleaner yeah. end product too. And so I think you're right. I've, I've debated this nonstop. Carrie can attest to it too, about how I think a lot of times like the whole medicinal value and people argue against big pharma and big business, but then the second they get a chance to act like a big pharma company right. or act like big business, right. they do, which is through price gouging. 
So it's, no, I, it, I agree with the with what you're saying. It's all sure. like honesty and integrity, and you know, it's it's uh, a lot of people and and no hate towards them. I get it. You got to make your money, but um, you know, it's I I've just kind of thrown all my chips in, and I hope it works out for me that I don't take advantage of anyone, and I'm I'm in it for the long run, and you know, I'm starting to build some nice relationships with well, a lot nice of these to stores. Have the stability of yeah. what's going on now too. Right? Yeah, because like this drought that we're in, I mean. I mean, technically not right now, but next summer is going to be another drought. Um, you know, it's not going to last forever. And uh, with our economy, what's about to happen, you know, this this summer we just had maybe will happen one more year, but everything's going to change. So if you're not focused on relationships with these stores and you're just gouging them, jumping store to store, you know, you're going to be alone on your little island uh, when the market is, is saturated and you... Uh, have all of the competitors with equal competing products and at the same price if you were a you know a, an ass you probably yeah, not going to be on the like, shelves. felt like there were a couple times this summer um, hearing numbers and knowing some things uh, about it that felt a little too wild, especially for the medical. And it's but, almost like people couldn't help themselves. And that felt too wild. bad. But uh, to speak to what you were saying, though, is that you're right. You're not the only one saying that. I was talking to John over at High Sale and he was saying that customer relations, client relations, inner business relations are going to become possibly the most important thing it is. going forward in the next 365 days for a cannabis company. I mean, it's if business. you're not focusing on customer relations and customer service yep. and how you're treating your your vendors, you probably should start because I think it's going to become a key factor for all these people. It's business 101, in my opinion. <laughs> um, if you say, you know, fuck everybody and you're just here to make your money, like, you have fun in the black market because that's where you belong. Like uh, even in the black market, there were relationships and consistency of business yeah. and respect. Yeah. Um, you know, how I look at it is I look at, uh, you know, the resale margins. And as long as the store I'm selling to is making a decent amount on my product, then even if people are gouging, I don't see, I don't never want the price of my retail to go up. So if the market increases uh, wholesale, I'll increase it at a fair rate. But if it's uh, getting so high that they have to increase it on the retail side, it just doesn't make sense, especially in medical. Like in recreational, I get it's a different game and you're going for market share. But, you know, a lot of these people and that's, you know, I, I kind of yeah. brought me back to, to my roots where a lot of people reaching out now are like explaining the medical benefits and how different no-till cannabis makes them feel. And it kind of opened my eyes and woke me back up to, you know, what we're all in this for. And a lot of people around me are making a ton of money. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely envy of it, uh, you know. Uh, but at the same time, that, you know, the responses we're getting is, it just makes me feel like full and whole. So it's kind of really, really nice. You see longevity in that. Yeah, I yeah. see, you know, relationships. And that's what matters life, more right you know? now, doesn't yeah. it? What's that? Longevity. That's what matters most right now. That's what matters most. I'd like to be relevant. All all of us would be. I think, but also too, if we're talking about the here and now, something that has really left the scope as far as the main cannabis community, and I think it's been really off the radar, is the threat to out-of-state money. Right. Big corporations face. It's totally gone. Like recently it's been whatever. It's like, all right, so they're here. And what are we still doing about it? And I I I do think the fight needs to be reinvigorated, but I think it needs to be invigorated in the sense of, Less of let's just don't we, we there's no trying to stop them. They're going to come in. That's how it works. And in all honesty, I think the argument's there for fair trade and fair competition that they should be able to enter a marketplace just like anyone else. But right. I think there should definitely be a reinforcement and like focusing on education, focusing on trying to, like you said, build relationships with customers because there are people that do not understand the quality difference in medications. I look at Dawson's post on Facebook. And you read some of the comments sometimes. Sometimes people say, well, Cure Relief is providing me and my family a job. Right. All right, and I get that. We've got to point these people into the direction of other locals that could provide them a job. We've right. got, to take the, yeah. you know, we've got to right. take the resources away from them rather than just shitting on them. Yeah. Because that does nothing but, I think, make enemies. And other people say, well, no one else can offer me $150 an ounce that's local. That's bullshit. There's definitely other people that can offer you that. So right. people got to point them in that direction. So there's definitely a lot of faults, I think, within ourselves. And then we just turn and are like, well, it's them, and you know we got to just stop them from coming in. That's not going to happen. That's not how fair competition works. And there's right. a lot of big, uh, big growers, big store owners that don't necessarily agree in stopping them. 
They think mm. competition drives perfection. Right. But they definitely agree there should be some sense of unity at the same time. No, they do. No, I agree completely. And I'm all for free market. And, you know, I see everyone trying to duke it out on the big level right now. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I decided to go no-till uh, for an actual business, not just growing for myself. Uh, it's product differentiation. Um, I feel that everyone trying to compete with the big dogs, and I'm sure a lot of you know, people I know are going to win uh, from out-of-state money. We're in a unique state. Our customers are very loyal to Mainers. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the way I see it is you should be looking at your profit margins. You shouldn't be looking at revenue. So everyone's chasing revenue right now to build and expand. And, you know, 10% uh, of them are probably going to succeed in mm -hmm. the state. Uh, but 90% of them are just trying to be bigger than their neighbor and they're going to overextend themselves and fail. And the way I see it is there's two big pushes coming. It's federal legalization and then global legalization. If you can get through federal, if you can weather that storm and keep your assets and keep your grow and continue to at least break even, the market will rebound and then you'll start making money again. And then when the global market opens up, who grows the best cannabis in the world? The world. It's the Americans. Like Kevin Jodry. going to be the Bud Light of cannabis. Well, actually, no, that's, that's a fucking horrible. Oh, we boy. Gotta that <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Or who's going to be? I mean, well, that's hard, too, because we, we know you're Mean, right. though, take it no, I mean, that, you're not. Right. It actually that is right. Who is going to be the Bud Light of cannabis? Because you have to understand when you're that big of a platform, if you are the best in the world, you're not the Missile Brother at that point. Missile right. Brother ain't the best in the world. It's not available all across the world. Right. right. The best stuff isn't available globally. Right. So I, there is a scale to everything, too. You think we'd end up uh, having, so you're talking about uh, as we enter into a global market, the yeah. U.S. enters in. Because I do think there are think, really big uh, do segments we think global, of it in the world I think the most global marketplace, though, would actually be something like farming. It would actually be more of an agriculture. I think you're going to see much more outdoor cannabis. Yes. I mean, it I just don't sense. know if it's going to be as feasible. I mean, I mean sun grown under like an actual farming, like potato farm, transitioning into that's cannabis. local Large too. Yeah. I mean, the the market in general is going to be like that. Um, but you know, that niche that we're going for, uh, it's going to be in the U.S. It's going to be in Maine. It's going to be across the world. And you know, B Bissell uh, is a great example of like kind of someone we're trying to be like. We want to provide like quality medicine, and uh, you know, really put the time and effort into our product, but we don't want to be the biggest no-till guys in the U.S. Like, right. there's already someone much bigger than me in yeah. Greenlight Productions. Like the LLB of cannabis, I guess. Like, you know, LLB is worldwide. <laughs> yeah. LLB the LL of cannabis. Yeah. That's it's a step up from Budweiser. Exactly. It's yeah, worldwide, but it's like, yeah, it's super signature to As me. long as you yeah. kind of, you know, put your chips in at the right time and, you know, you expand... Uh, you know, logically, and you don't like expand for greed. Uh, you know, if if it, well, once no you start sacrificing, like I I cure in all glass jars, and mm. it's ridiculous to see yeah, all the difference. half gallon glass oh, jars. Oh wow, really? Yeah, everyone, and and I will always do that. That's uh, a that's a a little bit more of an old school method. It is super old school. It's how you I like learned. the reliability of it. I you like the that. idea. So I've done the buckets with gamma lids. I've done totes. I mean, I do put them uh the stocks and totes yeah right uh in between before uh, trimming. yeah that's an in-between um, step but it's just such a controlled number of buds in a half gallon jar i know my strains and i know you know when to burp and when i go to a bigger bucket and i'm sure a lot of people smarter than me and you know uh, more advanced in the craft will kind of laugh at me for this but i just feel it's what i know and yeah. it's it's uh you know we never get mold and it a rare if we dry it out it's just because we made a mistake but uh it's just when i go if i ever you know expand i'll probably always try to stick to the glass jars and i'll just try to find a system that makes it efficient that well i think no-till is also uh, just i want to say too I feel like no-till, like you said, gives you that extra niche. It's kind of like what hash rosin was a couple years yeah. ago compared to BHO. But do you also see that more people are going to switch to no-till for the same reason that everyone switched to hash rosin? Like, can no is no-till going to become the next big thing? I mean— And uh, why would it? I mean, I don't know if it's going to become the next big thing. I already do know that there are plenty of competitors coming to the market. Uh, it's becoming a lot more popular. I think scaling— no till. I mean, even we're not a huge place, but even to our scale is so difficult. Yeah, um, quite an undertaking. And it's a lot yeah, more right. labor intensive at the beginning. Uh, you know, the automatic watering systems, I still hand water. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 I hate answering that question. 
because is it more in tray style? Do you create trays? Like beds? Yeah, so yeah, I have 8x4 beds. beds and 4x4 four four beds. Four beds, and they're all on wheels. Yep. So I have a bedroom parallel to the flower rooms, and as soon as one flower room opens, it's not down for more than 24 hours, I have a bedroom. So I have two bedrooms, and they just, it's like Tetris. Yeah, just different cycles. Of, yeah. Yeah, but the, now that we have the, the canopy laws, like this was designed like six years ago. So now that they changed to canopy, I would not grow like this because moving, you know, eight by four by 18 inch beds, uh, you know, a number of them in and out of these rooms once a month. It's just a freaking, <laughs> it's a, it's really hard. It's just two of us that can do it because we basically only have enough room for one extra row in each room. So you have to take one row out and one oh, row in yeah, and one yeah, row yeah. out. And, uh, you know, if I the do it now, it's Tetris just, reference. Yeah. I just earlier. have multiple yeah, rooms yeah, with canopy, you know? So, uh, but it's, uh, to answer your question, I don't know. I think, uh, I was kind of blown away with, I knew growers have been looking at and industry connoisseurs, I should say, are, are well aware of no-till, but I didn't realize how many consumers and patients were aware. And I feel like it's grown a lot more this year. I don't know wild. if it was necessarily a part of a retail aspect. I think grower to grower, there were people For who sure. knew of, but I don't think the general, yeah, the consumer it, it, I completely of. underestimated how many people actually wanted no-till. They search it out? Uh, yeah, before we're even on weed maps in some of these stores, there are ounces sold. Uh, we have these guys that hit us up from New York. Uh, this one guy, this one patient, likes our product so much that every weekend or every drop, really, he will drive from, I think it's like Albany, New York, and he'll hit three of our stores just yeah. to get all of our strains. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so, it's, you know, it's such a feeling to... It's good to hear. I just smile, you know, it's... Uh, you it, know, the out-of-staters get to pick exactly what they want to create for a market for their people yeah. as well, yeah. in that sense, those who have or anybody. So you can tell who's going for a price point and who's trying to carry on right. some of the finest bud they find. Right, right. And that's pretty cool to know that it's... It's so cool, man. getting out there. Yeah, you know? even, even uh, vacation. Watch land. out for the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking, the people who are going to start imitating it, uh, the, the ripoffs of the, yeah. of the brand. Watch out for that, too. Yeah, so Holograms. I'm me. very fortunate. Uh, I guess going back to, like, Derek and I, Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine, uh, they were on conference calls. They gave us our soil recipe. That's why. Uh, my no-till looks a little different than everyone else's, I, I, in my opinion. Um, but we're very fortunate to be running the soil that we're running. And um, it's, you know, it's that. The amazing the part, if people want to go on your uh, IG or uh, do you have a website as well? Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. You share uh, photos of what it looks like to yeah. people, the top dressing or how. How much does that recipe work to you? Uh, priceless. Yeah. I would never, I mean, it's not, I would never even give it out, uh, to anybody just because it was given to me and I would never, you know, disrespect Josh and Kelly like that. Um, but, um, yeah, we, uh, our website's pretty cool. Uh, livingmattercanvas.com. It kind of gives an, uh, uh, illustrations and an easy way to understand the process. Uh, you know, being a zero cannabis waste facility is really cool. Uh, people love hearing that and people are like confused. Like when the OMP comes in, like they brought a bunch of people to train on, on our garden. And I was oh, like, I gave yeah. them some like carrots out of the soil. And <laughs> people are uh, probably so thrown off because anyone that's ever been like a grocery yeah. shopper before, like sees organic or like zero waste, like all natural. And it's like fucking 10 times the goddamn cost. You know, it's like never yeah. buy organic. It's always so damn yeah. expensive. It's like organic no-till weed, cheaper than the chemical weed. Yeah. Mind blowing, you know. So. That's the goal, though. I mean, it's the big reason why I chose no till. Uh, I thought it was super cool. I was into veganics, and then I went into trying to make my own vegan organic recipe. Like Kyle Cushman, I was a huge fan of his before he sold out, and um, then I kind of went to uh, this place called Boogie Brew. Uh, a buddy of mine um, out in Southern California, rest in peace, who's actually just uh, passed away. But um, he got me on Boogie Brew and I started to understand compost teas and, you know, microbes. And then, you know, I've always been like fascinated on nutrition. I was an athlete my whole life and I understand my gut and um, I understand bacteria. 
And when I started learning about compost teas, I was like, oh man, this note, like, what is this organic growing all about? And then I found no-till through Mountain Organics and a few other people. And I was doing the numbers and I'm like, you know, it's a huge startup cost. But after that, like my plants are essentially feeding themselves. And like I grow companion plants that pull nutrients from my soil. I grow grasses and marigolds and and radish and everything is, you know, releasing sugars into the dirt. And I, I, I brew compost teas that eventually I'll be making my own compost from my material at my garden. So my goal is to hit $0 of input costs. Like when I flip a room, I put less than 60 bucks into the room because I'm oh, on a well. Wow. So I'm, I'm paying for electricity and rent right now. So, you know, if I own my own spot with a well, the numbers are astronomical. It's, it's the profit margins are, you know, good luck you know, competing with that. And honestly, you know, no hate to the salt guys because some of the actual salts that are coming out are very inexpensive and very easy to use and follow the recipe. And, you know, hats off to a lot of them because a lot of them grow fire with it. Uh, So I don't know. I I never want to say that we're going to be, our profit margins are going to, you know, compete. So I don't want to be on record saying that, <laughs> but I do know that green life productions who shares my soil recipe in Vegas hits three pounds of light with some of his strains in no-till. And he has, um, I think, a 50,000 or a hundred thousand square foot building that he puts a hundred dollars into his flips and that's it. Everything is all contained on site. He makes his own compost. He top dresses. It's, it's so cool. And before metric, we had, um, whatever that seed to sale tracking company was called, but they had to like, measure, uh, what was it? Green bits. No, no um, oh. it was, uh, Oh, that's all right. Don't look. I forget. But, um, you had to weigh your waste and, you know, I was looking at that, like, this is crazy to me that, and then it really made me think. And that's why I made that post about zero cannabis waste. Cause it's so easy to strip, you know, uh, on day 21, like most people do and just drop fan leaves right onto my soil with like ease and I just it kind of didn't click until I started to see the seed to sale tracking and I'm like oh shit like they're measuring the waste of this industry and you know seeing uh, other growers neighbors of mine uh, you know put root balls and and their shit outside and then they have to bring it to a dump to and I was just like kind of like oh sh-, like this is a huge advantage over anyone so talking to the OMP talking to people uh, you know in our government uh uh, city planners, stuff like that. They love hearing that we're reducing waste and, you know, we're indoors. So we're not like the, like, as can the, I ask uh, you about yeah. that? Uh, so let's say, um, one of the trays has reached its ultimate end with the, uh, with, with having flowered. And now you're, you're, if I, if you don't mind saying a little bit, what happens to that yeah. soil? Do you top dress it again? Do you dig in? It how depends. Much, how much roots do you end up leaving or, Everything. or not? Yeah. Leave so, it all, right? Great question. And that's where it's kind of people are blown away. And it, it's, it's, uh, I didn't really think of this as, as cool as it was until I really explained it more and more. And um, so you harvest the bud. Uh, bring it up to the dry room and then we just cut our, our stems down to, you know, five or six inches and drop them right on our soil all the way down. And we leave about three to four inches above the soil from our stock and everything is uh, thrown through a wood chipper when it dries and given back to the soil. And then the root zone within like three weeks is gone. Uh, it's uh, completely decomposed. I just give it a little wiggle when it's ready and I give it back to the, to the dirt and it's cool. It's the worms, bacteria, fungi, like uh, a little secret, uh, um, our beds and this wasn't my secret, but it was, it was, uh, you know, given to us. Uh, we use wood chips and pumice as a layer at the bottom of our beds to create a mycelium, which is a fungi. It's like a network where our roots can communicate with, with one another. And I like to like, you know, always reference the rainforest is like, how do you think food and nutrients are sent plant to plant, tree to tree? And why do you think we have so much genetic anomalies in the rainforest? It's because of the diverse structure of that soil. So with these fungi networks of our plants communicating and like this one will like street sh- or I call it shitting a sugar uh, <laughs> out and attracting a bacteria or fungi, it'll come from, you know, it could be you know, forever away and it will feed that other plant. And it's just, it's just so similar to 
uh, above the soil that once you understand like how humans work and how like uh, survival of the fittest works, then you kind of put that under the soil. And if you put the right plant species in the right beds next to each other, mm-hmm. uh, you can create some beautiful things. And does, you know, it, does it build a humidity level up a little bit higher oh, yeah. in, in uh, yeah. flowers? So big, do you big, have to combat that or is it just because yeah. it's more of a natural uh, conditioning? It, it reacts a little bit more naturally? Yeah, so both. Uh, humidity and no-till. Damn, I got good questions. Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, humidity and no-till is, is a trip. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, our, our rooms are undersized, so we have to get creative with how our ACs are uh are on at night. I got to make sure they stay on. Um, but like people kind of laugh at me, like sometimes like we're in week, uh, I think four and a half of flower right now. And like, sometimes the humidity hits like 72%, 68% like every night. And even during the day, I'm still at like 55%. And you would think PM, right? Yeah. And you know, I battled PM many times. It is, I would not wish PM on anybody. However, uh, if you have a a good biological diversity in your soil, you're creating an immune system for the plant. So if that immune system is just like us human beings, if our immune system is intact and, um, uh, you know, diverse, especially so... One thing is Susan Wainwright explained, when you're growing cannabis and hemp, you need a fungal to bacteria ratio in your soil. So cannabis, you should actually have a more fungal. And, you know, I apologize if I'm backwards here because I always switch it up, but uh, uh, a more fungal dominant soil because uh, PM is a, a, a fungal pathogen. So if you have good fungi in your root zone, in your rhizosphere, then the plants will not, uh, will reject any pathogen that lands so any spore it'll fight on its own so once you have life built you don't really have to fight the problems well i mean it makes sense too if you think about it it's like well the best tasting weeds grown outside and stuff like that yada 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 and then they're like well you know don't wear the same shoes make sure you know you know put on a suit all the stuff when you come from outside it's like well you know how is there that big of a risk just coming from inside out but people can grow outdoor Sometimes without any issues. And I guess the idea or the concept behind what I would believe is the immune system, like you said. And so it it does make sense where some people have to be extremely clean and make sure that they're on top of their game with some of that stuff because it does matter. But for you, it's part of trying to replicate the environment of outdoors. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like PM spores are everywhere, Mm -hmm. like everywhere. Like you're not going to. And we still change. I mean, you know, we have a, a, a sanitation room that, you know, it's a. It's not a you know clean room like some of these dope girls have, but we have a room that we isolate and we all change and get down to our underwear and put on our. We have special. We don't have like scrubs or anything. Our suits. We just have clothes that we clean and wash and dry yeah, right. and yeah, put into a sealed bag and then we yeah. bring it into the grow and that stays in the grow. I have cubbies for everyone that works there. Um, but yeah, it's. I like to just call it full genetic potential. If you if you're if you are a plant or a human being and you are you know you have the right nutrition and you have the right, um, you know, uh, immune system, then you'll fight things. You won't get sick. And that's how plants are too. With regulations, when they talk about regulations and testing, Mm. I I believe if I'm not mistaken, in a lot of other States that have already had it hit them, it hasn't been kind to an organic grower. Is that true? So uh, honestly, that's, uh, that's like the mythical creature of no-till and organic growing. And, and as long as you don't spray with ferments and and compost and flour, uh, you're you're like, uh, so I I keep bringing them up, but green life productions is the biggest no-till guy in the country right now. Uh, and And what scale is considered like the bit what how big i mean he's be? enormous is uh, it comparable to just uh just a, like a cocoa grower in scale yeah uh yeah so that can be pulled off there yeah it's it's amazing and in, in the the fascinating thing is they have three flower rooms and i think it's like 100 to 150 beds per flower room um and there's two uh you know strong women uh watering it and it's like his wife and another uh you know middle-aged woman that 
it's just watering the beds, taking care of the plants. They have a team of like transplanters and defoliators and all that. But um, what's the best method for watering? Is it a wand? Is it a how, uh, how, do you, how, how? Yeah. So I was a blue mat guy and realized that blue mats is more of a consumer product. Um, maybe if I had tables rather than beds, um, blue mats. Uh, it's a mechanical carrot that. Uh, uh, measures oh, goes, the yeah, right into the soil. Yeah, so it's like soil, you know, right? it's like I look at it like a gate valve that once that carrot is dry, it'll open up and and, and fill a drip tape. But when you're moving beds back and forth, that carrot, uh, anything could hit it, and you know, it's leaching my soil. Um, I like uh, hand watering with a wand with a dram uh, attachment that I found. And I got this like cool little system that I made up with like measuring runoff. And we just have all these like whiteboards all over the place with charts of how many passes. And it's kind of like it's a hard thing to scale because it's in a it's it comes with experience. Yeah. So, you know, if I were to ever upgrade to a bigger spot, I've already been kind of looking at uh, alternative methods of watering. Uh, I feel like that's the hardest thing because you like there's no you got to make that as easy as possible for the body in a sense. Right. Yeah. That would be kind of where the innovation well, would come from. With, is it concerned it, with like a. No, uh, not automation watering is water distribution. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the great thing about no-till and having uh, living soil is it retains a lot of water. So you water less often. Uh, you save way more, like you never flush um, and you watering in general, you water a lot less often. However, um, the way I water is I feel the soil and I look at the plants in the bed. So every strain is different. So to like to put like, a number in a system where this strain or this bed should get X amount of gallons, X amount of times per day uh, is something that I'm working on right now. I'm basically putting a flow meter on the hose that we use and I'm tracking every strain and how much water goes into it. But, you know, environment plays a role where the uh, bed is in the room compared to the dehumidifiers or the ACs. Yeah. So like the way I look at it and I want to go automated because, you know, Miami Mango and all, all the uh, cocoa guys are like, if you're not automated, you're dead. And it's so true. <laughs> you know? They got you on the hook, do they? Yeah, damn right. They're bullying you that one. Yeah. There's pressure there, sure. But it's, you know, when you're in living soil, um, it's really the feel of the soil. Like, you in, in the you basically want to water. What was so the depth? What do you like for a depth? Uh, 18, inches 18 inches is what we use, yeah. Uh, we bought beds for 24, but that was a little disconnect uh, on our end. Um, but 18 inch, I mean, even 12 inch beds, if they're 8x4, should be good. Do uh, do roots from other from plant to plant? Do they intermingle at any at all any day? Point? If we all do day. that on purpose, yeah. So it doesn't stunt their growth mm. at all. It enhances. Because I always kind of so, got that idea that once it hits into something or makes contact, it would sort of you know pull oh, back. Oh, that helps. Stop that. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, they just start just wrapping around? <laughs> Am I right in that though? Or yeah, no, I'm, it's that's a, a misconception. Yeah, so if you need a large volume of soil, so that doesn't happen when you, if you use like, I did no till when I first started in like five or seven gallon pots and it was great. But you know, after a while you can only get a few cycles in it. And then the roots from the grasses, especially cause they go really deep kind of intermingle and suffocate uh, right. or wrap. Um, but, uh, you know, we grow grass and we grow dichondra, which is a clover looking grass. It's a, it's not a nitrogen fixing plant. Um, and it's a, like a carpet to cover the soil, but then I use a Sudan grass and I spread that out, uh, you know, evenly across the dichondra. So those roots can go deep and they will release sugars and enzymes. And that's how you create diversity of life. And then when my cannabis plants intermingle with those roots, you know, they're all feeding each other. So it's kind of like grass. We, we use that. Yeah. How'd you find out about like, uh, like that type of grass to add uh, to it? I mean, I, are these things that you like to research and I look just, into? Yeah, I've yeah. just always been like a kind of, uh, um, well, that's an in interesting, my, but it makes sense to release. the most surprising thing you found out about like 
obviously talk about these additives as far as Sudanese grass and all these other things like the marigolds. What was the most surprising aspect in this whole journey that you figured out of like, holy fuck, if I add this, it actually does this. I'm going to say something different. (laughs) Organic guys are going to laugh at me, but you don't need neem. You do not need neem as an organic grower. I do not use neem in my soil. I do not use neem as a spray. I use zero pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Uh, all organic guys will tell you you need neem and karanja. And I'm Man, a living proof that someone. you do not need that. Um, what, uh, what, why, what, what is it that you, is it something you've tweaked in the recipe? I just know the that soil? there's some very negative, um, um, you know, uh, reasons to not use neem. It, 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 uh, I forget the name of it, but it's, if no, it I've carries into too, the flower, it's really I, I terrible. But neem is one of the only like sprays that's kind of safe in an organic space. And, um, you know, it, I, I attribute that knowledge to Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly. Uh, they are so anti neem and they, and we prove that you don't need it. Um, but the cool thing, like the coolest thing that I and, uh, you know, Derek knew this and Josh and a lot of the organic guys, but daikon radish aerating the soil is so cool to me. Like I'm a golfer, so I understand punching greens. So punching you, the greens, um, uh, it, that was always sort of like a, just a purposely done to build up the, yeah. top, the top of it to make it harder, make it a, a uh, it's stronger just to, to in the get overall. oxygen into the root zone. Right. To it's allow such, it to it's a carpet fill of, in its holes. Yeah. So a carpet of grass on a green is so mushed together yeah. that it's hard to get oxygen down there. So they punch the green at the end of the season to aerate it. So the next season it's a, uh, you know, the soil isn't compacted. Um, What's and, it mean when you're, when your golf course uh, air raids it in the middle of the summer. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know golf courses, but yeah, it's a, it's a pain in the ass. It means my score goes up like 10 points. Yeah, That's it means I'm not, I'm not keeping my score that round. Yeah, everything's a two putt on that <laughs> yeah, day. Exactly. I'm just going to grab my lighter. Uh, no, but daikon radish is just used. I use it at the end of the round. I, I usually will plant it, you know, sometime in flower to get that seed germinated. And then my beds rest for a good month in what I call veg one. And that's when we grow our daikon radish. And that will uh, aerate a bunch of spots. And, like, if you put a hand in the soil and you feel how soft and, you know, it's just a perfect composition, in my opinion. So you're going to start a farm stand? too? How dope would that be? Like fucking actually you should have able a to, so, like being able to buy the daikon radish from the fucking soil. You know, long-term oh, yeah. goals, I want to grow herbs and food uh, with no-till and hugel cultures to the herbs to provide to other organic growers uh, and myself. Uh, you know, alfalfa and kelp. So you were asking about top dressing. Yeah. Uh, if So I used to use clover, but we had severe thrip pressure um and uh we learned that dichondra and chickweed is something that thrips don't really uh like so we went Probably from invasive. A, you've got to pick uh you got to pick other ads additives to the soil that won't be necessarily too, too invasive never right? flush you, you see you guys don't flush the soil at the end of it no never flush because you want let's that i call it leach well i don't call it but it's called leaching so if you ever flush no-till you're leaching nutrients so then you would have to add nutrients oh right. and you know the the, the organic, trick actually for most no-till is to have it last for the period of time. Yeah, I mean, needs, I mean, right? the no-till recipe Offers that we're following has been going for 11 years, and he's some of the best product in the country. Um, and we're trying to do the same thing. And we and like all we do is top dress with a little bit of uh, alfalfa and kelp, which will bring nitrogen. Because if you don't use clover or a nitrogen fixing plant then, you know, where are you going to get it from? You can't, so you need to top dress. Uh, but other than that, you know, I top dress with compost uh, probably once a year to the beds just mm. to kind of uh, rejolt the you life. You said once a year? Yeah. So you're able to relinquish this soil harvest and then another. And yeah, because like essentially the plants are feeding themselves. Like, so I purposely... It never gets stunted or, or, or would there be some sort of... Um, I wouldn't know the term uh, um, where the soil somehow could get a contamination in it over yeah, a duration I mean, of period. That's of like time. the biggest. Uh, Is reason. that what you have to worry about? The soil that's more like than our, the- that's, that could 
just you know ruin us yeah. uh, like a root knot nematode, uh, which uh, ne- uh, nematodes are great. We apply them. Sierra Biological is a great source. It's hard to get, but uh, once a year. Um, but a root knot nematode, if you get that in one of your beds, you're not uh, getting it out. You have to dig your soil out and reset. So, so do you keep backup soil in case that happens? Like no. That? He only has no. that one extra tray No, right I now, literally right? use up like a canopy space and square footage. And like you can walk around my place. You cannot do anything else. Uh, I'd make that a priority on the next step. Yeah. I so it's, just for just for your well-being. Well, no, it, it's, it's more of you possible. cannot get a, a something like that. Most pests travel on plant material yeah so me taking in you know apple fritter and runs is a risk but i know the guy that has the cuts and he's one of the better growers in the country that's gonna, that's gonna be a relief in a sense now yeah the but i still scope everything yeah. coming in because sure. you know we learn our lesson i don't smoke this weed it's awesome it looks too damn good. <laughs> it's awesome i, I appreciate I that get the lighter that no. My trimmers appreciate it. My trimmer, I should say. Well, I would. Oh, really? Yeah, I would guess that too. Just by looking at the nug formation. Imagine somebody told you, oh, you got to trim all this. Uh, I like it's have kind of this, stuff like, that you could probably trim three pounds in yeah, a day. I don't know? like other people. I like new people. I don't like people that trim for other people uh, because it's a di- like the way I trim and it's, it's is I'm it like detail? the, I'm the, the way slowest you trimmer on the on the planet. You are? All my friends are like you're you know trim better and I'm like I'm trimming better than you. You're just trimming fast and I think because like you know the trichomes. I, I think it's because like I wash hash and I understand trichome development. I understand how. easy easy it is to you know mess that up so when it comes to trimming like you know i use chikamasa scissors of course but the way i do it is i kind of like like snip and pull off rather than like graze the bud on the outside of it that a lot of these people do it's 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 hard to 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 articulate but you can kind of visualize it when i'm trimming and it's uh the trimmers uh the one guy and my two uh the guy in the garden and the guy my packaging guy um it was kind of a learning curve it was was like the i'm not even gonna repeat the numbers they hit during the day but it's (laughs) which uh which strains do you have right now that are really good uh like you're loving the flavor of them in a hash form or, or, or uh, so want to talk I, a little I, bit about what you got going there? from hash. Um, but, um, I want, I haven't, and we want to know the highest yielder one, not yeah, the number. We just I know what we want to know the strain. That's all. So MCON is my favorite to wash my favorite yeah. hash, but wow, wow, uh, wow. low yielder. I just don't like sativas. Yeah, and on, for you, uh, honestly, uh, it was like the wait, hash. Wait, 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 a sativa that washes really good? It's not good, but oh, okay, not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of his favorites. Not totally terrible, like one of my favorites. Um, oh, right, uh, Lemon right, lime, right. like, did not wash. It yeah, was, I can imagine. It was that one just, of the ones that I, like, was like, I just ruined this whole batch. Uh, like, I don't wow, know. no shit, I got one gram of fucking 90-year <laughs> rosin yeah. back from this whole goddamn yeah, thing. Yeah, really sucks. Yep. How does this, have you washed the cake crasher? No, I was just going to say, I guarantee that wash is great. Yeah, I was going to say, that looks like it would fucking uh, wash like a mother. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Uh, that's my project this winter, I hope. I'm trying to figure out, you know, another product line. Uh, we were thinking pre-rolls, but... I'm just not Pre-rolls all about... Pre-rolls are really a picky one. I think you do it out of necessity in. more than yeah. Hash yeah. yeah, stick with the hash rod. Yeah. I love a lot so of... I think the living... Tech. Especially the no-till where you have, like... And, and not going to lie, too. I, I wish this was a... This isn't, this isn't a paid paid advertisement by any means. Um, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the no-till stuff has a signature note to it, and I haven't smoked the other one, but it doesn't seem like this has like any like underlying, you know, and it's no offense to anyone others else's no-till that I smoked if you're <coughs> being serious. And so it'll be interesting to see if that translates over to a hash rosin because one thing yeah. I've noticed is that there are some no-till people or some organic people or even some people that just use salts that their hash rosin and their bud has like a super distinct taste. And even I was talking about with High Sale, and High Sale switched his line that he was using it's at one perfumes, point because he's yeah. like, I didn't like it. All had like an underlying yeah. chocolatey cocoa taste. Yeah. He's like, and I didn't like it. That's what I like about uh, No Till. I feel like it brings out the unique mm-hmm. flavor, and you know, some hardcore anti-organic yeah. or or the organic people that are anti-salts will say all salts taste the same, and I disagree because like, you know, I don't know how mega raw. Uh, grows but he his hash is fire uh yeah. you know teddy uh et, there's like three guys in calicory melts randy uh they the way it's not i'm not saying they're the best but sure. they're, the wet consistency 
uh, brings out terpenes that like makes my mouth sal salivate, and it's just amazing to me. And that's I've always air dried. Uh, my hash. I've never used a freeze dryer, but I oh, know no I know I have to now. Just it's just not Better feasible. Now, you need like, like a big ass room. Four you know? to six weeks, I hear. Back order something. It's like that. crazy. <laughs> it's so cool to do, but it's you look at it from like a perspective of you know you're renting a space and you're using this square footage to dry. You know you like Gendo. She's going to wash our GMO that we have right now. Just a small wash. I know everyone's doing GMO, but it's the first one to market I wanted to bring. And uh, we're going to bring a lot of GMO flour. Oh, you haven't flour. brought a GMO to market yet? This will be the first, first time. one. Nice. And it is... Uh, how are you liking it? How are you liking how it's grown? Uh, it is... Uh, Probably, I, I don't Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Very evasive on this I one, isn't he? I <laughs> don't want to jinx it. You know? Okay, right? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. enough. Yeah. But, um... Uh, you said enough. Fantastic, That's all. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we were looking, like, I was afraid to um, wash my cake crasher because so many people wanted it. I really wanted to get it out to stores, and, and I'm finding that GMO, everyone washes GMO, and, and some stores say that's how people hide shitty flour. And so I want to bring out a small drop of hash rosin of GMO and a huge drop of GMO flour so people, like my idea, like my long-term goals is to have like three unique product lines where you have the flour right next to a concentrate and a third edible or pre-roll, even though I know the, the negative uh, kind of connotations towards pre-rolls, but there are some premium pre-rolls, like, like a Rick Roller or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it has to be to that point. Yeah. I think you have you to can't be hand-rolled. you got to spend the... some time with it if you're yes. going to do that. Yes. So and, it's and, hard to sell like just a regular hand-rolled for a lot more, though, either. So you've got to well, kind of make it a little special yeah. too, in and order I, to be. And that's where like, the, uh, it was funny, I was on my way to... We did a drop at Hive today, and on the way there, I was talking to my my buddy Jake, who's uh, my marketing and soon to be sales guy. Um, and shout out to Jake on shout this. Shout out Jake, yep. you know. Uh, and uh, we were kind of going over product lines, and you know, we want to be able to, especially as no tail. And I know we're affordable now, but there's still people that like can't really afford much. So we want like, you know, the heady products where I see like the hash rosin, and uh, you know, we'll we'll outsource it but you know I'm very transparent I wash myself uh, don't have much experience pressing but you know I have all the temperatures and notes from years in research I'm sure we'll do all right but I want to you know showcase some good hash makers around here but then like a third product line whether it be an edible or we we're talking we we're we said the same thing you did about pre-rolls if we do a pre-roll it's got to be like top top of the line yeah, right. and that's very expensive yep. and that's kind of not what uh I, I see for us i want like an edible like a hash rosin edible at an affordable price would be dope for people that like can't like shell out the 35 40 bucks for a slice they want you know like a five or ten dollar you know vegan uh organic you know uh, whatever ball, it's an though, when ball, you do it. You know? It's an undertaking. You would do yeah. want to make it special and you want to make it unique. I think that's what's going to stand out. And don't yeah. try. I would never try at this point to be competitive with everything in the market. Yeah, it's, it's you know you can get caught impossible. up in that, and unfortunately, stores have to get caught up in that. Yeah, they're selling everything in the market, and that's so, honestly, I'm so glad because it all sort of sells. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of people always ask us, like, uh, you know, I, I come from sales. Uh, uh, in marketing. And, uh, I feel like being a wholesaler is like the, our best approach to this market and not wanting to have our own store. So we can just focus on our product line, which is our flower and let the stores kind of like go for all the customers and then just figure out who our customers are. But when you get into a store and you're growing and pushing other products, it's like you almost, uh, need multiple brands, I feel like. And I know some people are doing that. I think it's really smart. Um, I think the idea, I brought this up before and it's starting to take shape more and more. I think there needs to be at some point, maybe it's what, if it can open up in the springtime or something like that, a dedicated uh, farmer's market of cannabis. There has to yeah. be something mm -hmm. in place to do that. No, I think if you can really get cool. that one-on-one -on -one with people like that, 
that's deep. That starts to go somewhere much greater. Well, Harry's Hill, but <laughs> I, I know, but I think I think it almost needs to be in it, every city. But it, and, and I think this needs to be needs more to exist farmers, in every town, farmers market, or, or something. You know, farmers a surrounding market area. style. It doesn't. I right. mean, yeah, everyone right. wants to smoke there too, and I get it. Well, but no, it's, too, it's less about it's, that. Well, no, I but I mean, like, and I think that's what would differentiate it. You're right, it is less. I mean, about it'd be that, nice if you could do that. That's what would differentiate it from like Harry's Hill or things. It wouldn't be yes. more of a sesh. It'd be more of like, it's a farmer's market. And the argument to some people like, well, that's not like a sesh. You're right, it's not a sesh. Like a farmer's market. That farmer's market, do you see fucking people eating the corn right at the table they're buying it? Yeah, yeah, no, right, right. You know, like, no, so this is about bit, meet and greets. This yeah, is about this. Exactly. It has so to be a little I saw bit more like of a professional basis. I love sessions. I'm not shitting on them right. in any way. Yeah. I just think there's a time and a place for yeah. them. If you want to do the farmer's market, which I wholeheartedly support, it's got to be that farmer's market style. I totally agree. Can't be that, because that's the only way you're going to sell a city on it, too. They'll, they'd totally that's be like down the, for it, too. But you can't just have a bunch of people out there, you know. Ripping Let somebody else take advantage of the situation that, that exists and then they can piggyback off it to give them some place right. or something to do mm-hmm. after. I feel like it's more the, about that one on one. And I, you know, I've been to Harry's Hill a number of times as a vendor, community bonfire a number of times. Um, but I feel like it, I've never been to the mid main sesh. I've heard great no, things, but know. I feel like those uh, events uh, are the reason community why. Community bonfires have done. Yeah, I think those are the reasons why a lot of these towns are hesitant to let something like what you guys just described happen Come because into existence, they yeah. assume that that's going to happen there too. It's it's very hard to stop it once it happens. So to get the permit, you know, you got to uh, well, it does, prove yourself somehow. It maybe does they're going to need the money. It though. does maybe suck they're gonna too. Turn yeah, because I mean, it. I think about they, it, and like when we way. when we had our in the bonfire too, it was like. The last one, there was really no cap. There was no respect to the restrictions. Yep. And regardless of the belief on it, it does. We, we hosted an event, and if anyone knows Taste Would Bake, they don't mind if I say this. Those people fucking are totally against everything to do with masks. You know, teach their own. I'm not going to debate. Tastefully their, baked. Yeah, the tastefully baked. Group. Great they're, brand. They're not, they, yeah, no, I great love brand. Their brand. And they're, they're not shy about. They're not, yeah. they're not shy about putting that out. And what I got, but no, they. They are following the rules and restrictions to the yeah. to the most that they believe they they need to. Yeah. An attempt also because it's like we're all you'd also risk tarnishing the brand at the end of the day. Oh well, yeah, and, exactly. and for the, the cannabis event, industry. For so the event, think, they did what, what, you think, what yeah. was required. No, so now when I yeah, think of the bonfire well. and stuff, no. I'm like, fuck. You know, can you imagine? Because all that would come back to is cannabis event. They wouldn't hear bonfire. Exactly. They, you know, it would be cannabis exactly. event doesn't obey this, and that's what does suck sometimes about that is that it would all it would be up. Oh, there's another cannabis event breaking the fucking rules. Yeah. You know? So I mean, it's it. I, I do wish that. Going through it, the like stigma. You, yeah, it, you we, know, we fight it's that same stigma a little thing bit is more. what we've been battling, and I think it's just time will tell. Uh, but the, I just want to mention about the the bonfire and Harris Hill and all the sessions. The coolest thing about those events is that it's a one on one with your customers, yep. and I cannot stress this enough how important it is to hear and educate. Like, just to say, like, to uh, the, I just remember this this woman from uh, Rhode Island, and she'll uh, I, I forget her name, but her I could take I could pick her out of the lineup right now and just her, explain to her that we grow carrots and radish and grass and companion plants and we're trying to mimic the rainforest floor and her excitement like she wrote us emails she followed us on uh, she hit me up on Facebook like it was just so like impactful and that and that's where I learned really with like the stores versus wholesaling um, is how do I educate? you know, people on no-till yeah. and it's at sessions like this yeah. and it would be great if we could have all the major cities do a farmer's cannabis market so we could get in front of our customers and really educate them I on of an not why. This, What's that? I thought of an obstacle just now as you were talking about it. Uh, it might be stores. Yeah, it, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's do you think that stores would generalized. Say, no, you can't do that. I think it's Would they stored. take away that market? Well, I mean, it's definitely going to be someone they'll lobby against for sure. But, um, but oh, they allow oh, a once saying. a week kind of thing yeah. to happen if that's what it turned into? My, my goal is to do pop-up shops in my in the stores. To, pop-up shops. So to, just I mean, sort of flying. Yeah. Like, 
a, a way to do like a special where you come in, you buy, you know, X uh, slice or two slice or whatever uh, amount of product and you get a free T-shirt or pre-roll. Oh, I like it. Yes. Let's go with that. The yeah. slice you said, right? Yeah. The I slice. I, I, That's I, all I, you I, need I, to I, buy. I, no, I keep, free T-shirt. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your slices are here. Make them spend the yeah. nickel for it. <laughs> but, you know, and but that would be like a good opportunity for, you know, me and my team to... Uh, educate people face to face and uh, I feel like a good thing in a lot of the stores that we're in now they're asking a lot of questions and they want to be able to uh, uh, articulate how no-till works and why it's important yeah. so for you especially it's important to find a store that aligns itself with yes. customer education and yes. bottom line yeah, yeah that really is, what is how we pick our brand yeah it's really yeah. important on making sure like, the customer literally understands there's of all the stores we're in there's maybe two that we sought out Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, vice versa, that sought us out. Uh, I had relationships with uh, all these stores uh, yeah, you're prior. you're from North Berwick all the way up to Bangor. Yeah, and uh, There you aren't know, too many brands that have traveled. I mean, there's a, there's some who are, who do, but yeah. not very many. For, and for most you, of them I knew uh, prior to, you know, this business. And they're friends of friends. And, you know, Green Truck was one of the ones that found us. And, you know, shout out to Shane, who is their sales rep. Uh, he crushes it because he really, uh, you know, got my attention by like understanding no-till and understanding, uh, how to promote no-till. And it's not like we're competing salts versus organic. It's just another style of growing that we do things different. And a lot of people might think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's fair enough to say that it's good to know, uh, what your grower or what your product is. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to have diversity in there. I'm fine with that. As long as it's done proper and, you know what I mean? But we're, we're getting to that point anyways. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a good spot for Living Matter is uh, boutique type of stores. You know what I mean? Like some of these, you know, some of the stores we're in are big ones. Uh, but um, I feel like... Uh, if the, you want to give anybody a shout out, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go down the list. No, go Green ahead, Truck and Give them all some love. Well, kind guy in Biddeford, killer. Like our Green Brian, Truck, which I think just opened another store in Kittery. Or they're opening. Uh, yes, they have a glass shop. Uh, so Green Truck is crushing it down mm-hmm. there. Um, and they just opened up a store in Kittery. They're working on, you know, I don't know too much. I'm just following along as everyone else. So it's, you know, don't quote me on any of this, but I feel like uh, oh, they're just quoted. working on permits and zoning and licenses right now, but they're going to be eventually cannabis and Kittery. And we're very excited about that. Uh, kind guy, uh, you know, uh, shout out Joe uh, and my my homie Travis who connected us. Our Brian Berry lemon lime sold out in four hours, a pound oh, in four hours, our first drop I there. I think uh, Kind Guy does a really good job. At least I, I get to Fantastic. see it one-on-one. Uh, fan, they do of... Um, of dictating what's on their menu and being they're being particular, amazing. but with the patient in mind yeah. the whole time through. So it's really uh, they're it's great. Nice. Their communications there. Um, it, uh, it's a it's one of it's you know all of our stores are great. Uh, yeah, for guy, sure. I know. saw the list. I looked through. I mean, great. Great yeah, people. I mean, Fire on Four, Leo, Pat, uh, Cass, uh, that team. Uh, uh, shout out to Frank. The barber, uh, Crow's Nest Barbershop, connected us. Uh, one of my, when I moved back from New York. Crow's Nest, where's that at? Is that on everywhere. the coast? Oh, they're everywhere. Crow's Nest is in Westbrook, Portland, Waterville. Okay. Uh, Frank's uh, was a partner of, I think, um, what was the uh, Momentum? And I don't know what happened there, but I found him at Goodfellas when I moved back from New York. And it was right when me and my old business partner, not Derek, but the one prior, uh, were having, and we connected and he connected me with Leo. I think Fire and Force doing a great job. Uh, we just released in Cure in Lewiston. Uh, they sold a pound of our cake crasher in less than 24 hours. Beautiful. Crushed it. Um, Hive, Bobby, I just listened to the podcast uh, last week. Bobby's a great dude. He is connected as hell. Do you think we asked too many questions? I mean, no, I mean, he, uh, that, that, that interview was great. It it's got, fun to do. It's, it's always a good time. Yeah. To do, he, really. uh, we learn a lot and it's uh, good people relations too. It's good to know these things. And I learned a lot about him. You know, I just met him. I've known him for like a couple months now, but he runs a fantastic business and it was cool to hear on the podcast yeah. how he kind of related, uh, growing to now running a business and, you know, for a guy that's doing all of that and still 
and can still communicate with me about drops. And he's pretty responsive with his texts. He's got like a, a store in Waterville being built, a grow in Chelsea. He's got a uh, lot of shit going on. And I'm like, and he's still cool as a cucumber. I have a freaking three-man team on the outside. and I'm spread thin. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. it's, it's amazing to see what he's doing. Uh, we uh, we dropped a Farley's uh, in between the two last drops. We dropped our Dosey Dough. Nice. Um, we talked to uh, Sarah, Sarah, although I'm... Is that, I've never like, met Sarah. 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 Uh, shout out I, to you, sister. Hope things going well out yeah, there. Yeah, they run a great... I like their... Good their, look. Their really store, good look. they yeah, milled like all the wood. Uh, from their property, mm-hmm. which was fascinating to me. Uh, Rocksteady Remedies up in Bangor, uh, they kill it uh, very uh, much about good brands, boutique-type shops. Um, and then Vacationland uh, Cannabis Company, uh, Brent and Kayla out there, they're killing it for us. And it's so funny that our product, even in Turner, like they have people from New York coming mm-hmm. to Turner just to get our cake crasher or yep. whatever. And they sell, uh, you would think Turner is not moving a lot of products, but they sell our shit so fast. And it's, it's great to be a part of their team too. What is it? And is Aaron still down at vacation line too? Uh, so Aaron moved to California, but I think he moved back. Um, I don't know where he's at right now, but I think he went into like, uh, Aaron's a smart dude. Um, but I think he moved to California to pursue real estate dreams, but yep. then the coronavirus kind of like fucked that up. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's back in Maine. I haven't seen him in a long time, but um, the, they have a team there and they're great. It's it's really cool. It's like a family owned feel to it. When yep. you go in there, they know all their customers by name. It's a pretty. It's it's a nice. It's, it makes me feel good about being in their building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good. It's a good relationship because if it wasn't, it'd be kind of an awkward spot, you know. No, yeah. I mean there are that those high be. volume spots. It's really. It's you've got to manage it. You mm-hmm. got to manage it in that sense. You got to be able to offer that. Mm-hmm. And we're looking not at, easy. We're, you know, we have a bunch of stores reaching out to us um, and we are sticking with our core right now, but you know, maybe it's always uh, moving parts. Yeah. Maybe we expand a little bit. I want to get in onto the coastal towns. Um, you know, we're in Woolwich with Farley's, but you know, Bar Harbor and Rockland and, you know, I'm not going to speak too much. I know some people want our product and we kind of just got to iron things out and, see if we can make it work for both of us. And, um, there's a lot of, it's, I hate saying no. Like I'm a, I'm like the worst salesman in the world. Like I'm a That's salesman. That's why it was easy to get you on the podcast. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's so easy. It's like, do you want to come? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> hey, Travis. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Travis. Thank you so much for coming yeah, thanks, on. Thanks man. It was an enjoyment. So. Appreciate it guys. Thanks for your thank time. Thank you. Take care. Sweet. Once again, this was made possible in conjunction with our amazing sponsors, Rugged Roots, Cure Cannabis Co., the Heady Yeti, Tastefully Baked, The Shack 420, Humble Family Farms, Canamelts, Salty Cultivation, The North Fire, Highbrow, Team Green, Seaworks and Company, Fade Space, Zero Gravity Extracts, Wisely Cannabis, and Stoner & Co. For more information on how you can support those who support us, please visit our website, www.mainpodcast.com. That's main, P-O-T-C-A-S-T. and click the Sponsors tab. It's a wrap. That's it. Cool. But uh, (laughs) it's...